You know, Gary was up here and uh, did a great job with the song. It was great to have on staff, but there's, there's something about Gary you need to know, okay? Gary knows nothing about sports. <laughs> and he'll tell you that. He's like, I know nothing about sports. Which should be fun because in a few weeks we're doing a series that's all sports themed and Gary's actually speaking one of those sermons for us, okay? So that should be interesting to see how he kind of connects sports with uh, that topic for that particular day. But, but Gary knows some other things. One, he knows music. I mean, I think Gary's one of those people. Yep. I think that you could put any instrument in front of Gary and he will know how to play it. And if he doesn't, he'll pick it up and he'll figure it out pretty quickly. He's just gifted in that way. And we love having him here on staff at The Journey. But there's something else Gary knows, and he kind of alluded to it earlier. He knows comics. Like, the dude knows comics. (laughs) You're like, man, I've watched all the Marvel movies. He knows the Marvel movies and actually what was supposed to happen within those movies. He can tell you details that you wouldn't even care about. Because this is just who Gary is. He knows these sort of things. He knows music, but he really knows comics. And so this past week, we were talking about the sermon series. And I said, hey, I'm going to start it out by talking about superheroes. And it's kind of going to be the theme throughout the whole day. And I said, I need a a photo for you. I need a graphic for this. Can you give me a graphic of Super Friends? And so here's the Super Friends graphic. Some of you remember watching that? That cartoon? Yeah. Gary's like, starts laughing. And, um, and he says, hey, uh, you probably need to hit the, the younger crowd, too. So there was the Justice League that came out. So we got Justice League here. Woo! Yep. <laughs> that person's under 30. <laughs> and so we kind of got these two things, right? Go back to Super... We got Retro, and then we got Hipster, Super Friends, right? Go back to the other one real quick. So we got, you know, Retro and hip, Hipster, but we're going to stay with Super Friends because it was such a better show than <laughs> whatever that stuff is. Anyway... If you, were, if you were one of those people who watched Super Friends, like I did, grew up watching that, it was amazing because you put all of the superheroes together, right? It wasn't just one doing their own little thing. It was everybody together. So you, you had Superman and you had Wonder Woman. You had Batman and Robin and Aquaman and Plastic Man. And I don't remember the dog's name. The dog was there. And somebody just said it. The Wonder Twins were my favorite. Wonder Twin powers activate the form of, and one of them would turn into water stuff, and the other one would turn into some sort of animal, and they'd defeat evil, right? So all these groups would get together. All this, this team would get together, and they would do amazing things. They would defeat the evil warlords of the universe. If you're like me, you probably ran around your house, and depending on your age, in your underoos, right? Because they had underoos that were superheroes. And so you'd wear those underoos, and you'd run around the house, and you would play to be one of those people. Maybe you were Superman. Maybe you were Wonder Woman, whatever it may have been. But it wasn't that much fun when it was just you by yourself. When you're running around your house, maybe your backyard, it was so much better when your friends came over or you went to their house. And that was in the day and time where your parents were like, just go. We don't care. We don't, we don't want to see you till it's nighttime, till we call you. So you'd run around the neighborhood and you'd, you'd play super friends. You'd be Superman and somebody would be Wonder Woman. Someone would be Batman and someone would be Rob. Nobody ever was Robin, were they? <laughs> Wasn't Robin like the worst superhero of all time? Still is to this day. Nobody was ever Robin. But anyway, you'd play this and you'd run around your neighborhood and you'd save your neighborhood from the the evil that lurked, which was usually the neighborhood cats running around or something, right? We love this. It was a fun time. And we did it because of this bond that was there, this connection, this teamwork that was happening. And we love these shows because of that. Today, we continue our series called Rose to Circles. 
And if you were here last week, we started this, this series by talking about someday. We said all of us have something in our lives that we know we need to fix, that we need to work on, that we need to change. And yet our, our issue is we keep saying someday, someday I'll fix that, someday I'll work on that, someday I'll be different. And when someday comes, someday may be too late. And so we asked the question at the very end, I asked, do you want to change? Do you and I, do, do we actually want to change? Or do we kind of like living in that tension of, of someday? I truly believe we all do want to change. We just don't know how to do that. This morning I want to talk about what does that look like uh, for us to begin to take those steps to see that, that change and that transformation happen in our lives. If you have your Bible, you can turn to the book of Hebrews. It's in the New Testament. We're going to spend all of our time there this morning. The, the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, there are Bibles in the seats in front of you. Feel free to grab one of those. We're going to put it up here on the screen. You can follow along on your Journey Church app. If you open that up, notes button, you can take notes there and read along. And also on your program this morning, you can follow along and take notes there. Before I get there, let me give you a little background about Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews was written in the first century. Um, a few people say Paul wrote it. Most scholars say it probably wasn't Paul based on sort of the context and how it was written. Paul was known for writing letters, not much about writing books. Um, and, and so we're not real sure who the author is of the book of, of Hebrews. But what we know is that this writer really knows the Hebrew culture because this is an individual who, who grew up Jewish. And so in this book of Hebrews, the, the writer is discussing and talking about what it's like to, to be Jewish, but to now be a follower of Jesus Christ. And so they're talking about the rules and the traditions and the laws of the Jewish faith and how everybody was kind of connected to that and how they've been connected to that. But they have been changed because of Jesus coming to this earth. Jesus has now become this Messiah of all the Jewish prophecies. Jesus is the answer to those prophecies. And now Jesus is the one that you should follow. Let those rules go. Let those traditions go. Begin to follow Jesus. And so in Hebrews chapter 10, we begin to see this transition with the writing where the writer is saying, hey, this is what this looks like to now follow Jesus and let those rules and those traditions and those laws go. And so if you have your Bible again, Hebrews chapter 10, starting with verse 19, here's what it says. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain and to the most holy place. Again, this writer is writing to a group of people who understand exactly what they're writing here. He talks about the, this most, most holy place. Now, for the Jewish people, the temple was a very holy place for them. And it was on the Temple Mount. I guess if you know your history a little bit, it's not there anymore. And, and, and so it, it's gone. We've got a mosque that is there now. But the temple was, was central to Jewish faith because inside of it was the Holy of Holies. And that was the place that God was said to dwell. And so for the Jewish people, specifically Jewish males, every single year you had to take three pilgrimages to Jerusalem, to that temple, to celebrate the festivals, the three festivals that were taking place. And one of those was when the priest, the high priest, would go into the Holy of Holies. This only happened one time of year. It's what we know as Yom Kippur. would go into the Holy of Holies and sacrifice an animal for the sins of all of the Israelites, for all of the Jewish people. 
the writer understands that this is what these people who are hearing this or reading this, they know this. They're familiar with this. They, they know this history. They know this tradition because this is a part of who they are. And so this high priest would go into this holy of holies. And really the high priest, their role was, and there was just one of them, their role was to be the people's connection to God. That that was the relationship people had with God. It was through this high priest, there was this vertical relationship. We talked about this last week. This vertical relationship that people had with God was strictly through this high priest. The writer says, hey, Jesus has changed all of that. Like, you don't need this high priest anymore in place of, of who I am. Jesus has come. Jesus has been sent. Jesus is the one now that takes care of all that. Jesus sacrificed himself for you. So now you don't need this high priest to have this vertical relationship with God. Now you have Jesus. And so each one of you have your own relationship, your own connection with God through Jesus. And so this vertical relationship happens because of that connection we have with with Christ. Here's what the writer says in verse 21. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, again, this is Jesus, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Because of Jesus, because of our faith in Jesus, because of our our baptism, we now have this connection with God. Again, the high priest isn't needed anymore because Jesus has taken that relationship. Jesus has taken that role in our lives. Verse 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Again, this is brand new for them, right? So they're so used to their Jewish faith and traditions. And now there's this Jesus thing and they're following Jesus. And they've said, okay, we believe that Jesus is the answer to all those prophecies. And so we believe Jesus is this Messiah. So we want to follow Jesus. But they were still kind of struggling. Here in this particular translation, it says wavering. They they were wavering. They were trying to figure this out because some of them were following Jesus now. And I'm sure they had family members and friends who were still very Jewish. Like, what are you doing? Like, these are the Jewish traditions. These are the Jewish faiths. This this is your, this is who you are. You need to follow this. They're like, but, but Jesus is that Messiah. And so they're kind of wavering back and and forth. And and in fact, they got to such a, a place that, that people who were following Jesus were still trying to figure out which Jewish customs do we follow still and, and what part of Jesus do we follow. If we go into the book of Acts, as the story of the beginning of the church, and as we read through it, we see these struggles over and over with this new thing called the church that is, that is happening. And there's a struggle between what, what Jewish traditions do we hold on to and which ones are we supposed to let go of and what does this look like to fully follow Jesus. And so there's this tension and struggle that's there. And the, the writer's like, hey, don't waver. Just follow Jesus. Make Jesus the focus of everything, of your life, who you are. Don't waver on that. But then... Then the author changes this up a little bit. He gives the next step in verse 24. It says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. This was something that would have been very different for the Jewish hearer of these words because everything for them has always been this vertical relationship with God strictly through this high priest. This writer all of a sudden jumps in and says, No, it's, it's more than that. It's more than this vertical relationship. It's, it's actually 
as much about this horizontal relationship that we have, we have with others. There's a phrase the writer uses here, one another. One another. Now we find this, this phrase, one another, um, in the New Testament about 100 times, I think in 94 different verses. 47 times it is used specifically to those that are followers of Jesus saying, this is what it looks like for you to follow Jesus in relationship with other people. Here are one another's. And in fact, we're going to throw some of those up on the screen here. Forgive one another, accept one another, care for one another, encourage one another, submit to one another, love one another, serve one another, pray for one another, restore one another, carry one another's burdens. Again, over and over and over again, we keep saying, seeing these one another's throughout the New Testament because it's this connection that people have with each other. Here in the writing, the author says, motivate one another. Uh, maybe your translation says, spur one another along. When we see this here, again, people are kind of wavering. They're, they're struggling with this, this new thing called Jesus and their past and tradition. And where does Jesus fit into this? How do we live this out? And they're kind of going back and forth. And an author says, no, here's what you do. You motivate one another. You spur one another along. You, you encourage each other. You serve each other. You pray for one another. You, you love one another. But that word also means to provoke, all right, to irritate. And so when you see someone who is struggling, someone who's hurting, someone's making bad decisions, man, if you're a follower of Christ, your job is to jump in and like, oh, hold up a second. Have you thought about, have you taken this step? Have you done this? I'm going to push you a little bit here. Because this role is, as, as the writer is talking about, the author is, is, is writing about here, the job is for those of us who are followers of Christ, when we're doing these one another's, we are doing everything we can to keep people moving toward that focus on Jesus. And so that's what he's telling them here. He's like, don't let them waver. I mean, if they're wavering, motivate them, encourage them, push them a little bit on what they believe in, and see where this leads them. Motivate one another. Spur one another on. For the writer here, and I think for Jesus too, the idea is, again, our faith is more than this vertical relationship that we have with God through Christ. It's also about this horizontal connection that we have with one another. And so when we see someone's in need, we, we help them. We, we encourage them. When we see someone is hurting, we stop and, and we listen. We serve them. We pray for them. When we see that someone is making bad life choices, like pulling for the skins, man, we jump in and we irritate and we provoke them, right? I'm kidding a little bit. Um, no, I mean, honestly, when someone's struggling, they're making decisions they shouldn't be making and they're a follower of Christ, our job is to jump in like, hey, let's talk about this a little bit. Let me encourage you. Let me motivate you. Let me work with you. Let, let me push you. The job of someone who's a follower of Jesus is to help others along, to do life together, to do these one another's. For the Jewish faith, there were 613 laws and rules that you were asked to follow. Jesus is asked one time, um, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus comes back, and here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, here's the greatest commandment. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Period. That's it. That's it. That's all you got to do. Love God, right? That's not right if you know the conversation. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, 
and love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two greatest commandments. All the other laws fall underneath these two things. Jesus says, here's the deal. You want to know what life really is all about? It's about two things. It's about loving God and loving people. It's about that vertical relationship that we have through Christ, but it's also about the relationship that we have with other people. There's no separation here, okay? The focus of everything we do is that love that we have for Jesus. But then from that, we love other people. And we help and we serve and we motivate and we encourage one another through that relationship, through that love that we have for others. And when we do that, and we do that pretty well, lives are changed. People are transformed. Good things happen. Not really any different than super friends. When they came together, when they worked together, when they did life together, when they were there for one another, man, they could defeat any foe that would come their way. I, you know, maybe for you, you were kind of, you grew up with or, or you were taught that, that all that mattered was that relationship with God. All that mattered was that relationship with Jesus. It's, it's much more than that. And scripture bears that out over and over again. That it's not just about this, this one thing, this relationship just with God. It's, it's about our relationship with, with others, with one another as we live through life. And here's what we know. Even if you don't believe in God, which we're glad you're here. This is a safe place for you to be and to ask questions about God. Even if you don't believe in God, we know the importance of human relationships. You know the importance of human relationships where you work. You, you know how important it is to have a team that's together and, and working together. In fact, Gallup did uh, some research a couple of years back, and it was about the work world. And here's what they found out. They found that only two out of ten U.S. employees strongly agree to having a best friend at work. Two out of ten. They said if that ratio actually increased to six out of ten, having a best friend, a close friend at work, organizations could realize 26% fewer safety, excuse me, 36% fewer safety incidents. You know why that is? Because you actually care about somebody you work with, right? It's like, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to do everything I can to take care of you. 36%. 7% more engaged customers if six out of 10, uh, six out of 10 employees had this best friend at work, and then there would be 12% higher profits. Why is that? Well, because you care for each other. You, you love each other. You serve each other. You're taking care of each other. And some of you, you're in teams. You, you experience that, right? You know what that's like. You go to work tomorrow, and you're going to be around a group of people. And, and maybe there's a best friend in there, but maybe there's just some close friends. Man, when you're connected and you have those relationships at work, doesn't it change everything? You want to take care of them. You want to watch over them. You want to protect them. You want to work hard for them. When you work on a team and everybody kind of hates each other or everybody dislikes each other and everybody's kind of in their own little places, it's not a whole lot of fun to be on that team, is it? What are you normally doing? You're looking for a new job. Like, I got to get out of here as fast as possible. This place is going to implode. It's when we work together that we see things happen. It's when we have those close relationships that things take place within the work world. And why is that? Because really you're doing these one another's as a team we are created we are made to be in human relationships with each other aristotle put it this way in politics said man is by nature a social animal anyone who either cannot lead the common life or is so self-sufficient as not to need it and therefore does not partake of society is either a beast or a god i don't think anybody in here is a beast or a god we need that interaction with 
each other. We need it really to survive. I mean, science shows us that. Research shows us that. But, but more importantly, our faith, our faith shows us that too. That relationships with other people are essential to who we are. We need to belong to something. We can believe, but believe is not all. We can believe, but we also need to belong to something bigger than ourselves. And, and we do that by living out those one another's within community together. See, faith isn't about being. Faith is about doing. Faith is about action that we take. Faith is about relationships that we have. We, we can say we have faith, but we truly don't have faith until we actually live that out. That we can show that that connection that we have through Jesus Christ is impacting our lives, is changing us to the point of, of where we live out that faith in relationship with, with others. The author points that out in this last verse, verse 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Here the author in verse 25, I mean, shows the importance of belonging. Again, he's talking to a group of people who know the Jewish faith, they know the Jewish laws, they know the Jewish traditions, they know the Jewish rules, but now Jesus has come into the picture and things are different now. Things have changed. It's not about just this this sacrifice that you would give so that the high priest could give this one big sacrifice for everything. Jesus took care of that. And now there are these relationships that you have with other people, these connections that you have with other people that are so important for you to hold on to. Here's how I would say this. This is all about the circle piece. We we talked last week about rows. We come here on a Sunday morning, and that's what we do. We sit in these rows. And Sunday morning, this is my favorite time of the week, and it's not just because I'm a pastor. Even when I wasn't a pastor, I love Sundays. I love being around people. I love being in settings like this. We come together in these rows, and it really is about a celebration. It's about a celebration of who God is, who Christ is in, in our life. And, and maybe for some of us, like I said last week, this is the first connection that we have with Jesus as we show up in, in a place like this in rows, and we have that connection with Christ, maybe for the very first time. But here we, we sing, we pray, we listen, we learn, we take communion together. And it's a powerful moment for us, hopefully every week. But it's also more than that. There's more to life than just what we experience here on a Sunday. We move from rows into circles, into these smaller settings, into groups where we can connect with other people, where we can, we can, truly, we can truly live out these one another's together. In smaller settings, because you're not going to do that here. They're not going to come on a Sunday morning like, hey, everybody, let's talk about our life. Tell us about everything that's going on. We'd be here for days. We've got an hour. We're going to give an hour, and we're going to be good. But for us to truly experience life, we've got to do that in a setting like circles. But here's what some people will say. I don't need circles. In fact, some people say, I don't even need the church. And maybe it was because of some experience they had, something they, that, that took place in that church. And I have friends who have done this, and they have said, hey, you know what? Um, I can do this Jesus thing on my own. I, I don't need the church. I, I don't need a group of people to, to help me along. The church is full of hypocrites. It's full of imperfect people. They're, they're mean. And I'll tell you what, you're right. <laughs> because we're people. We're human. We do those things. We mess up.
We're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But that's what makes us need Jesus so much. And when we say, hey, I don't need that. I can do this Jesus thing alone. Here's what I find. People walk away from their faith. Because if we isolate from people, we will isolate from God. Every single time. I don't care who you are. I don't care how strong-willed you are. I don't care how much of an introvert you are. You're like, I can do this Jesus thing all by myself. You can't. If we isolate from people, we will isolate from God. Maybe that's your story. Maybe that's the place that you were before. Maybe you did that. Maybe you said, I don't like the church. I don't care about the church. You know, they played some music I really don't like, but I got to step away from this. I'm just going to focus on Jesus. And you tried to do that, and you couldn't do it. You're like, uh, I'm just going to live my life now. And so you'd wake up on Sunday mornings and you'd drink coffee and put your fantasy football team together. But you knew something wasn't quite right. Something was, was missing there. And so now you're back, thankfully, and you're, you're trying to, to fix that. You're trying to change that. Because if we isolate from people every single time, we will isolate from God. And our faith isn't something that we do alone. It's something that we live out together we do those one another's together and we do that in the context of those circles we do that in the context of circles the hebrew writer here says you've got to meet together like it's an important part of your faith it's where you encourage each other it's where you motivate each other it's where you spur each other on but that's not going to happen in rows it will only happen in circles I I love what uh, a couple of pastors have have used this phrase before and it's so so powerful they've said truth happens in rows change happens in circles truth happens in rows change happens in circles again we can sit in here and hopefully you hear some truth hopefully there's some idea some thought some principle that we can take with us and and that could be the truth that we take with us but true change is not going to happen here. It's going to happen within circles. It's going to happen within groups where we can put into practice those truths, where we can put into practice our faith. Because, again, faith isn't about being. Faith is about, about doing. And the only place that's going to happen is in circles. Here's the deal. In circles, you get to tell your story. Again, on Sunday morning, we, we can't really share those stories. Maybe we do an interview or something on the video screen. But, but other than that, we don't tell our stories. We tell our stories in circles. And we come together in groups. And, and we have these, these moments where we get to share our past. We get to share our experiences. We get to share where we've been, what we've done. We, we get to share those things. Now, that doesn't mean the first time you get together in a group, everybody just like, blah, and tells everything. Okay, That's not what we're talking about. There are those people who will come in a group and blah, everything. Let them get it out, okay? Exercise that demon. Let it be gone. Um, <laughs> that's not the idea about groups. It is the moment that we get to share our stories and we get to share a little bit about who we are, that background that we have, our past and our experiences. But we get to listen to other people too. We get to hear where they're coming from. We get to hear what they've, they've, they've dealt with. We get to hear their struggles and their tensions. And it's funny because when we talk about groups, sometimes it sounds like you go to a group just to unload all this negative stuff, okay? That's not the purpose of groups either. It's the moment to be able to say, hey, let me tell you something amazing that's just happened in my life. 
Let, let me tell you about the celebration that's taken place. Let me tell you about these incredible things that I see God doing in my life. And I've seen it in this person's life. I mean, we get to share those kind of stories too. But see, the change that we really are looking for, the change to get us away from those some days that we keep throwing out there, change and transformation isn't going to happen if we just keep coming on a Sunday morning over and over and over again. It's going to happen when we get together in circles, when we meet together in groups. Now, I grew up in a very southern small town in North Carolina, maybe similar to some of you in this room. And so in my town, when you'd go to a store, you'd walk in, and uh, everybody knew you, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you go in, everybody knew you, like they knew everything about you. Some of that's good, a lot of that was probably bad. Uh, but they knew everything. And then uh, there'd be these individuals who would, who would be stopping down the interstate, and they'd, they'd walk into the store, and they'd start talking. And uh, inevitably, every single time, there was that one person who would be like, Y'all ain't around here from you. Or you guys, y'all aren't from here, are you? They'd spit because it was tobacco country, North Carolina. Where are y'all from? And those people would run out about as fast as they could. It's like, this is like deliverance. We need to get out of here. Maybe you grew up in that area, right? Because everybody knew everybody. We live in a community right here where we're not from here, are we? It's one of my favorite questions to ask here at The Journey. If you grew up here, okay, if this is home and you've been here your whole life, would you raise your hand right now? Raise your hand. Just look around. (laughs) Ten people. There's probably going to be ten people second service out of a church of, I don't know, we probably have 850 people who show up here over the course of a month. Think about that for a moment. A very small percentage, a very small percentage are from here. That means... We're from all over. We're from different places and different communities and different backgrounds. I know because of the high uh, military population we have here at our church, you guys are moving every year to, if you're lucky, I don't know if you're lucky, but four years, right? And so you're, you're looking for these connections and you're looking for these bonds. And then all of us are actually doing that, whether we're in the military or we're just, we're here, we've moved here, we, we live here, whatever it may be, we're looking for something, we're looking for something to, to be together with other people, to live out these one another's. And when you can bring different groups of people, and especially for a church like ours is so diverse, not just from a different city or a different state, but from different countries, and you bring people together, God can do amazing things through that because there are some incredible, incredible stories that we get to tell and that we get to hear. Like the super friends were amazing because they would brought all those gifts and talents and abilities together. And through that, they brought change. And here at The Journey, we invite you to move from those rows into circles. Because we know with the backgrounds we have and the people that are here and the stories to be told, there's a lot of change and transformation that's waiting to take place. That we have to be willing to take that first step. Here's what I'm going to share with you this morning as we finish up. As you leave today outside um, on the counter underneath the the map that's there uh, and then over underneath the TV, we have a a bunch of these 2019 fall group booklets. 
feel free to grab one of those. But here's something else you can do. You can go to our website, thejourneynova.org. You can go to that right now, pull out your phone, put that into your browser, whatever it may be. And as soon as you do that, uh, our website should pop up. And down in the middle, it says Connect. You click on Connect, and this booklet will show up on there, okay? All this information, plus a few more, because we had a couple of groups that didn't get all their information in on time um, by the time we printed those. So there's a few more groups in there. We have 29 groups. Actually, we have 30 groups that are meeting this this fall semester. We kind of do this in fall semesters. 30 groups. I think that's most groups ever had here at The Journey. That means there are opportunities for you to jump in and to be in a circle, to be connected to other people. What you'll find if you look through the booklets, it'll tell you where they're meeting, it'll tell you the times, it'll tell you the locations, it'll tell you what they're studying. Some groups are doing their own studies, some, some are following our sermon studies or sermon material that we're doing on Sunday mornings. Uh, we've got a bunch that meet on Sundays and Tuesdays. Uh, we've got groups that are specific for men and women. We've got some support groups. If you're looking for a support group, I mean, we've got pretty much anything that you could, could ask for as part of our groups. And so we invite you to take the time this week to grab one of these booklets out there, look through it, go to the website, check that out. And here's what you can do. You can actually contact the leader of that group or the contact person. Their information is in here. It tells you if they've got kid care, all that kind of stuff. Contact them. Say, hey, I want to know more about your group. Next week, we'll talk a little bit more about how groups can be weird. Okay, so we'll talk about that next week. Because I know a lot of you are like, but people are weird. That's true. We'll give you some, we'll give you some rules on that. But, um, but we'd love for you to do this because here's what I know. I've seen more life transformation not happen in rows, but it's happened every single time in circles. And it's when people do those one another's together. Whether you know it or not, you're a superhero. You maybe not be able to fly through the air or leap tall buildings or whatever Robin does. I don't know, but... Actually, maybe we're all like Robins. Maybe that's more like the case. But God has a story that's been written written on your heart and your soul for you to share that can change and transform other people. And their stories have been written too that I think can change and transform us. So we're inviting you to do that. In the next few weeks, our groups are starting. They're not started yet because we're waiting on you. We'd love for you to jump in. Again, if you've got questions, you can email us at groups at thejourneynova.org. But otherwise, you can go on here this week, and you can start contacting those people that are leading those groups. If you have our Journey Church app, you can actually go to the Groups button, punch that up, and all of our groups will come listed on there. You won't get all the information on it, but you'll see the the day, you'll see the time, you'll see the group. uh, And you can just click through that. We'll get that information, and we'll get that out to those leaders. Would you do me a favor this fall? Would you... Would you move from rows to circles, and let's see what God would do with that. Or at a time in our service where we take communion together as a, as a church, and if you remember what happened when, when God or Jesus instituted the, the Lord's Supper, he didn't do it by himself, right? He wasn't like, hey, Jesus, you did a really cool thing. Why don't you take the bread alone? Why don't you take the juice alone? He, he did it with his circle. He had his circle together, and he's having this meal with them, and he, he takes the bread and the juice. And he's like, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this. Take this bread. Take this juice. We're, we're going to take this together because this is a reminder that we do these one another's together. Now, I'm not going to be here very much longer. When I'm gone, you're going to have to learn to do these one another's with each other, and they did just that. And you and I, we're sitting here in this place today because of that. 
It's amazing if you think about it. But it started with Jesus' circle. And today we're going to do like we do every single week. We're going to take communion together with one another. Because there's power. There's power in us doing that together. So I'm going to invite you.